Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Uh, great to be with you at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're going to get caught up with Craig Doman shortly here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, 30-plus years of representing uh, many of the best in the NFL, contract advisor with the NFLPA. We'll talk with Craig Doman in uh, just a moment as we kick off a Wednesday edition. Numbers to get in with Hale Varsity Radio, 466-377-7646-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to dial up. You can find us on Twitter at Hale Varsity, at ESPN Lincoln, uh, at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, me, and, of course, Elijah Herbal, and that mustache that continues to fill in. In Hour 2, Boomer Esiason will join us. Let's get things kicked off. Craig Doman of 360 Sports with us. Craig, nice to spend a, a few minutes with you. Thanks for the time. How are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? We're doing all right. Uh, we're uh, we're anxious for spring ball here in Nebraska to, to get going. And, and I know you've got a lot on your mind here with JoJo and, of course, uh, the NFL draft that looms, and of course the combine around the corner. Craig, want to start off and and uh, get our viewers and listeners a little bit caught up with you and uh, a thought, Craig, on on just what got you into to becoming a a player representative. Well, we're going to work to get Craig back in here. That'd be great. So we will work on that. Uh, we'll uh, take emails as well. Chris at HaleVarsity.com is uh, where you can email and uh, also, uh, again, find us on Twitter. So we look at the NFL draft. We look at uh, that being around the corner. And, uh, of course, uh, you look at serious uh, scenarios with these drafts. I mean, look at the 81 NFL draft, uh, the, the, the who's who of the NFL uh, in the uh, the defensive excellence going there, the 89 draft on our mind. We have Craig back. Craig, are we connected, bud? Do we got you? We are. I'm not sure. I'm using my wife's computer, and I had a little glitch there, so I, I'm not going to touch it so we can chat. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Craig, I uh, just wanted to start off with just uh, why, why you got into what you got into, uh, 360 sports and then being a player representative. Let's start there. What, what kind of – uh, drove you to, to that career choice as far as what you loved about it and you've been doing a, a great job at it for so long? Well, interestingly, um, when I first got started, I wanted to represent guys from Nebraska because they had a great program. Tom Osborne ran a tight ship. And so I actually spoke to Tom Osborne 
back in like 1992, 1993. And one of my first draft picks was Tony Bielan out of Nebraska. So I've had Tony Bielan, Steve Warren, John Hess, Eric Warfield, Mike Minner, a bunch of guys from Nebraska over the years. And so I think that part and parcel led to JoJo ending up at Nebraska because he was familiar with those guys, hung out with those guys. Uh, those guys came to our football camp every summer here in Colorado Springs. And then I took him to Nebraska games when I was recruiting. So um, JoJo's had a long history with Nebraska before he ever set foot on, on the campus. I'd say so. That's that's quite a list. Uh, you mentioned uh, John Hess, a uh, friend of ours, uh, Minner, Warfield, Veland, all guys that got rings and uh, got rings at the next level. Craig Doman's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio, 360 Sports. What's the process been like for, for JoJo and for you uh, just kind of getting comfortable? Great football season for JoJo individually. Did really exceptionally well at uh, the All-Star Games. And, and now the combine looms. Where's his headspace at and, and the family's headspace right now as he uh, looks to make this jump? Well, it's certainly an interesting time in the Doman family because, you know, for many years I've been representing players getting them ready for the draft, but they haven't been your own son. Hmm. And so there's an extra layer and an extra dimension to the process when you, you have to be dad first and then your agent second. So the nature of our conversations are we're talking, hey, I'm being your agent right now, or hey, I'm being dad. So we have to have those distinctions. And it's no different than when you're coaching your own kid and they're in the seventh grade or fifth grade and you're, you're driving home from practice and you're coaching them on something that they didn't or didn't do at practice, and they just want you to be dad. And so you have to say, hey, I'm being your coach. So he and I have had more than a decade of practicing this um, kind of communication because I did coach him in football. I coached him in high school. I coached him in middle school and I coached him when he was younger. So that part of it's been pretty easy. But to answer your question about headspace, I think everybody, when they get ready for the combine has the temptation to set a world record. <laughs> and, and so what I see happening a lot of times is a guy can run a four, four or four, five, and he runs a, he runs a lot slower because he's stressed out because he's trying to set a personal best. So I just spoke to Jojo a couple hours ago and right now he's just trying to get ready for the combine. They're doing workouts at at nine o'clock at night, which is when he's going to be running on NFL network. I believe on March 5th, he's going to send me the schedule here in a minute, but you got to practice what you do at the time that you're going to do it. So that you don't show up, in Indianapolis to run at nine o'clock at night when you've been practicing at nine o'clock in the morning. So that's one thing he's been working on, but getting back to his mental approach is be the best version of you. Can he, can you be the best version of you? If you're 95%, 98% of what you really are, you're going to do great. What happens to so many players is they put the self-imposed pressure on themselves that, Hey, I'm on TV. I'm running for dollars. They get in this mindset of, hey, I'm running for money. No, you're not. You've got to go out there and just be the best version of you and let the cards fall where they're going to fall. So that's where his headspace is. 
Craig Doman's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And I got to ask, with, with you and your history with NFL players, what were the, the expectations like for you with JoJo as he was getting through high school, getting some college offers? And what were the expectations he placed on himself? Was there ever, you think, higher expectations that he placed knowing, well, dad's an NFL agent guy. Uh, that's what I want to do. What was that like growing up for JoJo? Well, I think that's a great question, Elijah. I think JoJo had dreams that I didn't know he had. I think he had aspirations that I wasn't aware of. So he's hanging out playing ping pong in our basement with Mike Minner, you know, when he was nine years old. He's, he's, been, he's, played, John Mad- he's played Madden against um, Marion Barber at his place in Dallas, you know, the morning after a game. The Cowboy- I took him to a Cowboys game on a weekend. They played on a Sunday night. I'm over at Marion's house the next day with his mom. I'm talking business at the kitchen table, and here's JoJo playing Madden with Mary. So when you're around that kind of environment, it would make sense that you would probably want to do it too. And so I don't think it's really come out until the last few months that this is something that he's always dreamed of doing. But I think once he got to Nebraska and he had his knee surgeries and he had some detours, that was the last thing on any of our minds. You know, it was just getting back and – just get healthy and try to go be the best Husker you can be. Let's not worry about the NFL. But now that that chapter is behind him, I believe he's all in. I think he's going to be a great prospect for an NFL team, not because he's my kid, but because he's more mature, he's ready for it, and he's been thinking about it for his whole life. Craig Doman's with us here on Hale Varsity. Craig, you've represented uh, folks on both sides of the ball. You've represented special teams standouts let's touch on jojo's worth to the nfl and and that uh that that special ability to cover to hit and to and to pressure uh he is the 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 2.0 of uh what a lot of defenses want and that is the guy that can carry and cover a tight end or a big slot guy but also bring the thunder uh when it comes to making tackles and Nebraska fans saw that throughout his career in Lincoln, how good a tackler he was. And NFL teams got to be really excited to have a prospect like him to to work out and view. Well, I think um, one very positive thing for JoJo is going to be a four-phase, four-core special teams guy. And those guys are more valuable in the pros than they are in college. Um, Sometimes you can get drafted in the fifth round just to be a special teams guy. And it's a bonus if you can get on the field, but there's been guys like Slater, uh, Matthew Slater for the um, for the Patriots has played like 12 years just primarily on special teams. So that's going to be JoJo's first role. Then what they're going to do is they're going to see if he can be a dime package, sub-package guy, where he's going to come in when there's certain personnel packages, certain situations where they know, game planning, that this is what's going to show up on third and long. And they're going to put him in the game so that they can blitz him, he can cover, or he can, he can tackle um, and depending on how well he does in that will dictate what happens next. Because most guys that look like JoJo, that have the skill set like JoJo, eventually end up on the field full time. But you're not going to draft a guy with his skill set necessarily for a full time guy from the jump. He's not going to be a, I'm not going to put limits on my own kid, but the reality of it is he's probably going to be a sub package backer in the beginning. And then he's going to show them whether you can or can do more. Craig, a thought with what NFL 
this draft class is walking into the the NFL of 2022. You have an extra game. They're talking more overseas games. You've been around the uh, the NFL for three decades. What's the advice there? That's a great question. I think that you have to take care of your body. You're in a train wreck. You're in a car wreck every Sunday. Um, if availability is most is really most important. If you can't keep your body in great condition so that you can play, I mean, you're the the Rams, the the Bengals. Those dudes played seventeen plus four plus two. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a lot. Of, that's twenty three football games. That's like two college football seasons. And if you look at some of their players that contributed at the end of the season, they weren't even really a, a focus point back in September. So it almost looks like GMs are putting together rosters so that they can almost have two two seasons of players. Now, I'm not talking about your top 22, but after that, you're, you're building, you're, you're signing and developing guys that put guys on practice squad in the early part of the season that you're hoping are going to figure it out and be well-equipped and healthy to play in December and January. Craig, when it comes so, to any player coming into this draft. You, you froze up. Finish your thoughts. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. Where, where did I leave off? You, you left off with the advice, any player coming into the draft. Okay. So it's 23 seasons. Or 23 games. I'm so sorry. You got 23 games. Teams are looking at certain players to be the first part of the year players and second part of the year players. If you really want to be a valuable contributor to your organization, you got to be a full 23 game guy. To do that, you have to be able to take care of your body. So, my advice to every young player is figure out your pit crew and your pit crew, all those people that help you stay ready for Sundays so that you can play and be healthy every single week. Because all it takes is the Wally Pip situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all these guys we know that just they missed one game. Tom Brady did it, right? So it's like you don't want to you don't want to be the guy that gets hurt and somebody takes takes you out of the game. Craig Dolman's with us. Craig, uh, about ninety seconds uh, before we got to say goodbye. Your uh, relationship with Coach Frost, uh, he uh, was represented by you. How did that come about? Well, I believe it or not, I went to Wood River, Nebraska. I uh, went to a trailer court, met Tina's mother and father, uh, worked with Scott. And, um, you know, my biggest thing with Scott was helping him, helping him and the teams figure out where do you play him. He didn't play safety. He was drafted in the third round by the Jets as a projection to be a safety. Parcells, and right? So, yeah, it was Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick was his D coordinator. So it was teams thought that highly of him as an athlete to go third round with him. It was all projection. And you got to remember, Scott had the he had the bounce from winning the national championship, mm-hmm. being the guy that he is, playing quarterback. He he was pretty electric back in the day, and they were they they didn't want to miss out on a guy that um, had the appearance of somebody that was going to be a potentially a starter and a Pro Bowler. Well, third round, and he uh, was with the Jets and then uh, a couple of other squads. I think Cleveland, he said, once during a press conference and uh, maybe Tampa. I don't know. I'm getting my teams mixed up. But 
nonetheless, uh, it was interesting to hear your story, Craig, and uh, hear about JoJo and how things are progressing for him. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans excited for what's next for JoJo. And we'd love to do this again closer to the draft, get caught up with you. And uh, I love uh, picking your brain on your experience and expertise when it comes to representation, but also your Nebraska connection with all the Huskers you've repped. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thank you very much. And the biggest question for the Huskers is, who's going to play quarterback in 2022? We will, uh, <laughs> we'll tell you when we know. <laughs> we got, there's a few to pick from. Craig. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Craig, one last thought before we let you go. If you could pick where JoJo ends up this spring, what, what team do you want him to go to? I've thought about this a lot. I want him to go to, selfishly, I want him to go somewhere where it's warm. <laughs> but for him, I want him to go somewhere where they have a vision for him. Because if they have a vision for him, he's going to be a good fit and he's going to fit into their scheme. And then the other part of it is, from being in the business for a long time, if he goes to a program where they win, he's going to have stability. Mm. If he goes to one where they're not, he's going to have a different coach in two years and mm. everything can be turned upside down. So when fit, winter, and warm weather. That sounds good. Good luck, and uh, we'll talk soon. Greg, take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we're back. Folks. Think we could listen to the radio listen. on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Good chat with Craig Dolman. That is on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Uh, Hale Varsity's also retweeted that. Good 15 minutes with JoJo's uh, proud papa, and that was awesome, man. To uh, to get caught up and get an agent's perspective, we needed more time. We ran out of time, but we'll. Do this again nearing the draft. Boomer Esiason in 30 minutes. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you know? How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm uh, like I always say now, this week I'm getting sandwiched between Craig Dolman and Boomer Esiason. So um, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Oh, there's no pressure, Babbers. You're uh, you're a good sandwich, man, is, is, the, way, is the way I'll put it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that. You, you read into that how you want. It's supposed to be a compliment. Yeah. Uh, well, well, no one eats a sandwich for the bread on the outside. They eat the sandwich for the good filling. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's yeah, right. There you go. It there is, you go. What, what, what's uh, what's your sandwich of choice, Babbers? Oh, you a pastrami like, uh, guy? Do you like turkey? What do you go with? Uh, you know, probably uh, ham and. That sounds good to me. Ham and cheese? Yeah. Swiss or American? Uh, Swiss. Okay. Me, what, are you, what are you? What's your sandwich of choice? Uh, I'm, I love Swiss. I need turkey. Okay. Like smoked turkey, Swiss, banana peppers, honey mustard, and mayo. I'm probably going to sound like an old man here. But I, peanut, I, peanut butter and jelly? Uh-uh, I'm going egg salad. Ugh, yeah, I know. It's going to sound like an old man. <laughs> you can have it all, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all yours, Elijah. <laughs> all right. So uh, as we dive into uh, some Big Ten thoughts, you know, a, a billion dollars. Cue the Dr. Evil Pinky. Um, <laughs> the Big Ten's going to get paid again, Mike. And uh, that, that may uh, put things uh, in a different light come Alliance time and moving the conference uh, games from 9 to 8. That's the word from Gene Smith today. 
What's what's your reaction here? First to the potential of a billion dollars for the Big Ten, but secondly, uh, maybe just kind of limiting the alliance from from potentially three conferences to two. Or if you're the Big Ten, you don't even need an alliance, man. You can you can build your own world. Well, yeah, you can. Except that I think that the way the direction of the direction of things with with the SEC picking up Oklahoma and Texas and uh, I think that's going to have an effect on how other conferences uh, um, go about things. But, yeah, when you're getting paid the big bucks, uh, um, you can uh, kind of think about things in your own in your own sphere. You can. Do you have a, a preference on, on conference games? I mean, were you, was your heart <laughs> set on eight, or do you like the nine? No, I, I, think, I think eight is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, I'd like to see some of those uh, non-conference games that you add just not be directional state universities that you mm-hmm. that you schedule so that it goes on the win column. I mean, I want to see some some uh, marquee type matchups uh, have an opportunity to do that. And, and, but I understand too that you've got to schedule some games in there that uh, that you figure you're supposed to win. Although that hadn't always happened for Nebraska. Here of late, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 fine with with eight. The, the thing that you know we've talked about before, but this idea of you know the three that you're going to play uh, every year, and then um, you're going to add five more. Mm-hmm. I just I'm not exactly sure how that's going to because of the number of of teams in the conference. If you know, like we talked. Um, if if you start putting together pods of four, it doesn't really work too well. When you only got fourteen teams, you you about have to have sixteen. Then it works pretty well. Now, Mike, I know we're we're not experts on this situation, but if you could speculate, where do you think if Nebraska the, the media rights for the Big Ten gets doubled, where do you think that extra money goes? Does it go to facilities? I know uh, Memorial Stadium that they're talking about uh, renovating and uh, not expanding, but uh, improving amenities for fans. Does it go to there? Does it go to coaches? Uh, maybe a men's hockey team? Just just speculating, spitballing here. Where, where do you think that money would go? Well, you know, I uh, I'd like to see. Uh, uh, Memorial City be more fan friendly. They're building that uh, big facility out there. I don't know what the number is now. 160 million. What? What? Where is that? I think they've got a good share of that. Um, I, you know, just in a totally hypothetical situation, where would I like to see it go? I'd like to see it go. Uh, some of it go into the general fund of the university, so that uh, uh, tuition wouldn't be raised every. Every uh, semester, and and uh, the the you know non-student athletes could have an opportunity to to go to the university without being at priced out of their range or whatever. Um, that's one of the things that, I, in a perfect world, I think that's what I'd like to see. But that you know that's not going to happen. Um, it'd be interesting. Uh, I was just watching some of the Olympic hockey. Um, last night, and, and uh, you know, one of the uh, Nebraska Omaha guys was on the uh, U.S. Olympic team, and I, I thought, you know, it, that would be uh, that would be interesting. Um, you would add probably a men's and a women's team. I don't, I don't know what the expense of that would be. Um, you know, what kind of facilities you'd have to have for that, but um, certainly uh, that would be an interesting 
kind of a thing as well. Uh, but I'm sure that the university has ideas about where where the money is going to go and go back to the beginning of this whole thing. That's why Nebraska got into the Big Ten, I think, was kind of uh, show me the money. There's money to be made here, and, and uh, we see how much now. Money and stability and wins are supposed to happen. We'll see if... That's a reality. Mike Babcock's with us. Mike, a a thought with Nebraska baseball and shift gears. Opening day is uh, Friday for Nebraska baseball. uh, And uh, this team has got a little bit of hype around him. They deserve that with how well they finished and played last year. You have a lot of confidence from Will Bolt. You also have a team, because it's coached by Will Bolt, and you have Christie and you have those assistants, and you have Rob Childress, that you know they're going to get better as the year goes on. So that is that is comforting, but you still got to figure some things out. How do you feel about uh, what you're going to see with Perry and Shanneman uh, as they climb the hill to start things off, uh, specifically with Perry, a guy that, that has earned a captainship and, and is now going to be the, has the, have the opportunity of being a Friday night guy? Yeah, and, and you know when he wasn't able to pitch last year, he he was still with the team, and he was still like a an emotional uh, leader with the team. I I just think his personality uh, wasn't surprising. I guess that he was that he was uh, named a captain, and and uh, you know they've got a a one A and a one B uh, in terms of starters, or A one and A two, mm-hmm. or however it was, and. Uh, uh, with with Shanneman, I think that's important. Obviously, to see how those guys uh, step up because I think that they've got the punch uh, offensively, and uh, you know they got. I think they can have that aggressive mindset that is characteristic of Will Bolt when he played, and and the way they're going to go about things this year. So um, the pitching will be the interesting thing. But, you know, so it's, they got a four game series schedule this weekend. Um, and the thing that people have to remember is baseball. You, you got fifty some games scheduled here, so you go out and you play a game or two, and, and maybe they don't win one of those games, or maybe they don't win a couple of those games, and then all, you know, immediately everybody's like starts freaking out. You know, I think last year they lost the first game of the season to Purdue, and it was, it was like, oh boy, you know, there it is. Um, baseball's a little bit different in that sense, so. Um, you have to kind of evaluate it from that standpoint. You don't don't look at it and say, well, you know, if they don't sweep that opening series, you know, things are going to be uh, tough this season. Or, you know, follow up with TCU three games. Uh, that's a that's a good way to start and see where you are, um, get a sense of that. And so I, I think that's positive. I'm I'm excited to to see the baseball season. Uh, get underway, and obviously the fans are too because all the reserve uh, season tickets have been sold. So, I mean that 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 says right there that uh, fans are hungry for for a winner in the on the men's side, and and uh, and baseball is is where they've turned their attention. Yeah, Mike, a lot of new uh, new pieces on this team this year, and one of the interesting things that I saw was that uh, the, the starter for the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday is going to be Dawson McCarville. He's a transfer from uh, Grand Canyon, and you know, Braxton Bragg uh, going on Sunday, who I believe is a, a transfer from uh, Texas A&M. I could be incorrect on that, but are you surprised to see that the two of the talented freshmen in Drew Christo and 
uh, CJ Hood aren't going to be in the starting rotation, at least so far in the season, they're not going to be involved? Or do you think that means good things for the pitching staff moving forward? Well, no, no, I think it means good things for the pitching staff moving forward. I, you know, I, I think that you don't, maybe you want to give those guys a chance to, to work in a little bit. I mean, you know, don't just throw them right into the, into the fire if you don't have to. But, you know, that's the thing that I think is a positive is that you look at it and say, well, they got these really talented recruits. They got the, you know, these guys, but they feel good enough about the guys that they have that they don't have to, like, just, well, let's throw them into the fire right now. You know, let's get going because we need to have that. Um, I, I would hope, you know, from that standpoint, I would hope that you don't need those young guys right away because you have some guys that you have confidence in, and it looks like that's the case. Um, I'm also interested to see, you know, uh, Gomez, uh, you know, coming out of the bullpen. It sounds like he could end up being the closer. Um, and and so let's, let's work the young guys in, give them an opportunity. You know, maybe – you know, it's too early to say, you know, let's get through the non-conference and, and, and get down the line a little bit. Those guys could end up being midweek starters or, you know, maybe if things don't work out, they get an opportunity, you know, and they're pitching on Sunday or whatever. But uh, I think the fact that Nebraska has guys that are veterans that they, they have confidence in um, speaks well for, for where this team could go. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers will get caught up again. Uh, some hoops to talk next week, some more baseball to react to, and we're inching closer to spring football. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, bud. I'm going to go have a ham and cheese. I'm going to just say, I'm going to go take you. We'll go get some good sense, brother. I'll, right. I'll get you a ham and cheese. May I recommend the egg salad? No, you can okay. keep the egg salad. <laughs> you can keep that one. <laughs> talk you to guys. you, Babs. Thanks. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, as uh, we will have Boomer Esiason in 25 minutes. We have missed him. We've got a tear running down our cheek. Two weeks without Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge. That problem is now fixed. Shuey, how are you? Good. I finally made it. Well, you're busy. We had signing day. Uh, it, it, it's, it's been too long, my friend. And, yeah, it's always and, too long. And in honor, Elijah and I will rip our shirts off, uh, <laughs> just like you did yesterday, I'm sure, on, on the ninth green, celebrating <laughs> the weather, reenacting the uh, Waste Management Open. Tell me about that scene. Have you played down there? Have you played that tournament? And did TV do it justice, beer showers? And toplessness and all. <laughs> yeah, TV did pretty much. That's that's kind of what it is. So when I was playing, that's where I actually, in the beginning of the season, January, February, that's where I practiced at all the time. So I got to play that tournament a couple times. It wasn't, 16 wasn't quite that way when I was out there. It's turned into actually just uh, uh, a spectacle, you know. It's pretty fun. It was pretty fun to see that. Mike, I, I got to ask you. Do you think that's good for the game or bad for the game, the amount of publicity that received, the beer showers, waving the shirt above the head? Because we, we heard uh, over the weekend that that's going to be the, the first episode of this new uh, behind-the-scenes PGA uh, series on Netflix. They had the cameras roll, and that was the first tournament that they were at. So that's going to be uh, an introduction for the people who might not know golf. Is they're going to see that tournament. Do you think that's good for the game or bad for the game? 
Oh, it's as a traditionalist, it's not very good for the game. You know, because that's what people think they are able to do on the golf course, and you don't do that. But as golf evolves to what it is now, it's actually good for the game. I mean, you look at that tournament now, that tournament has the popularity of a major. Yeah. You know, just because of the atmosphere that's down there, what happens, you know, it's it's like a major. It's like a Ryder Cup. I mean, people want to go there and experience that. It's incredible because of the atmosphere. So that's the good part of the game that has done that. You know, the part that's unfortunate, that's frustrating is that nobody talks about that guy that made the hole-in-one, right? Well, there was still the, the third player in that group that had to play, but he had to wait for over 30 minutes before he could hit his shot. So that's the unfortunate part because that now compromises somebody else out there trying to do what they're doing. So, I mean, there's... It's good and it's bad, man. It's going to be really tough to try to to harness that so it is. That happens, but it's it's equitable to everybody, and it's done in such a manner that it's not so disruptive like that was. But, I mean, it made it exciting. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was watching it. That makes golf good. Mike, if I were to, to hit a hole-in-one at Wilderness and take the tarp off and take a beer shower from my friends, would I get kicked off the course? Uh, depends. Depends on. I don't know about the shirt off. Not sure. You might get arrested for that. <laughs> it wouldn't matter because Shuey's going to come zooming by in a golf cart and smoke you for taking your shirt off. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> he wouldn't. It wouldn't get to the cops. <laughs> That's what Shuey uh, w- would say. Mike Shuey's with us. Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey. Um, so, wh- what's the wildest? tournament you've been a part of then is there anything that that is mirrored in your career uh a 16th uh 16th hole actually there's two of them one it used to be the greater greensboro they they used to play and they had a par three which was on the 15th hole kind of an uphill shot and they put this huge tower grandstand right behind the green i mean it was literally right behind the green and it's like as you got to the top of the tower it's like you were looking right down over the green, and that became the thing to do there is that guys make putts or hit great shots. They've got beer going down, throwing beer cans down. So they ended up having to take that grandstand away from that situation. So, And the Byron Nelson was a lot like that. Before they kind of changed the practice area and stuff, is that because the hotel is right there. So you get, I mean, I had a lady do a Mardi Gras on me while I was practice putting. Really? So she wanted me to, yeah, she wanted me to throw her beads. I didn't have any, but so. How about a that, tea? Did you throw her a tea? <laughs> anything. So, yeah, Dallas is a lot like that, too. So those are pretty comparable. Not quite to that level that we saw this week. I mean, that was amazing. Shuey, uh, a thought on Tiger Woods. He's irritated about his pace of recovery. He's still working. What's your What's your outlook for Tiger here moving forward? I mean, obviously, he's wants to get back and play some, you know. So it's like, but he's not going to do it till he's ready, you know. And obviously, he's anxious because there's tournaments coming up. I do believe that, like the Masters, is one that he is is kind of shooting for, and his ability to play in that tournament, you know, and it's like is is his recovery moving along well enough for him to be able to play in that? And obviously, he feels like it's not. So he's a little frustrated with that because he that's what he wants to do. So, 
you know, hopefully he's smart about it and just, which I'm sure he will be, and be patient enough with himself to, to come back when he's ready. And he feels like he's ready and he knows he's ready. Shuey, what's going on at Wilderness, bud? Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. How's the construction going? Uh, I mean, spring's around the corner. Heck, uh, you'll see uh, some golfers potentially this weekend due to the weather. Yeah, man, it's crazy. We actually had to close our course because it's so dry with no rain. Okay. I mean, with no rain, you know, with a lot of activity on the course, with no rain, it's super detrimental to the golf course. So we're being very cautious with that, you know, until we get some rain and able to turn our water system off, you know, because the grass isn't growing and people are taking divots and walking and beating it up, man, it makes it really difficult for it to recover. So we're kind of being cautious with that until we finally get some the weather to break to start getting the golf course ready. But, no, I mean, it's construction is going awesome. They're tearing down the deck. They're redoing downstairs. They're working on the pool. There's all kinds of stuff going. So – and they've had weather to do it, which is exciting because that means things are going to be uh, ready to go by the time golf season is here. Last question. Have you uh, broken anything since the Iowa game or during the Iowa game, basketball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be calm about that, but it's very difficult for me because I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, it's a very frustrating thing to me. It's like, you know, with what you see and the product they put out there. And the frustrating part to me is I just don't understand how any of that can be. Anything that's going on is justifying to me that I have optimism for the future. I, I see there's not one thing. So it's like if things stay status quo like it is and it looks like it is, I'm going to get the same product I've had for the last three years. You know, they can't recruit in-state. They can't play defense. They can't play a brand of, golf, uh, of basketball um, that, that is efficient to be able to win. And it's like each week shows us that mm, what they're doing is not going to work. And there's no improvement. There's no nothing that is telling me any different. So it's pretty frustrating. We'll see if they go out there and uh, surprise you on Friday against uh, Maryland. Shuey, this was fun, man. Fun to hear about waste management uh, and uh, also some other tournaments. Uh, Marty Gras and all, my friend. And <laughs> keep that hard hat on and keep the construction rocking. Can't wait for Wilderness, right. man. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Mike Shuhart with us, Wilderness Ridge. That was a drought. Two weeks without Shuey. We'll wind down this first hour. Open phones here till 5. Boomer Esiason. Hour 2 kicks us off with Hale Varsity. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. Boomer Esiason next. Mark Waller going to join us. Longtime coach. Great coach at North Star. He'll be with us. Uh, great event going on uh, in the near future. And uh, the Lincoln Football Coaches Association Spring Clinic uh, going on tonight and in, uh, of course, the, the recruiting showcase coming up in May. John, the floor is yours. Thanks for hanging on. Yeah, we've just been tossing some stuff around, and we would like to know uh, if they do get rid of the coach, how much do you think they'll be paying a new coach to come to Nebraska and you have any idea who might be a good fit 
to come here and replace our present coach. I, I have a couple of thoughts on that, John. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your sure. phone call. So, one, uh, if there is movement and a change at the end of the season, both parties have agreed to walk away. And the buyout is not 18, it's not 15, it's 7 to 10 first. Okay. Someone else's money, I'll spend it. Two, uh, Mark Turgeon's the name that comes to mind. Clearly uh, did well at Maryland and then not well enough, so there was a separation agreement. What about Rick Pitino? Wasn't a, no. No? No. Too much baggage? Lots of baggage. There's probably still a... I don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> no, on Patino. He's done well at Iona. Jerry sure has. And and maybe with the NIL, there's a new era that there is ways to not get in trouble anymore. I don't know. But Patino, Patino, age is a concern, not ability. Not saying that at all. But I just think Turgeon knows the Big Ten. He's one in the Big Ten. He's a former Kansas assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you could probably get him for two to two and a half to three and a half million dollars. I mean, listen, if you know and you won't know, but if you think you know the right guy and that's your job as AD, and I think we all pretty much trust Trev, don't we? Based on what he's shown over nine months. Absolutely. Then then it doesn't matter what the number is. I mean, it kind of matters, but it, it shouldn't. You go, go find the dude. Well, especially with this new TV rights deal coming into, coming into play. Trev, Trev doesn't... Trev's thrifty, man, and that's a, that's a compliment. That's not a slam. Trev is is very financially prudent, and he's also a, a guy that wants to spend money to make money when you look at some of the improvements in the survey he sent out. We were talking about beer. I mean, he's proactive. He's a, he's a new era ad and he gets that that's that's the numbers i mean it, it makes you choke when you're stuck with a buyout uh for 18 million dollars my, my my question is 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 that 18 million are you going to lose that in ticket sales next season season ticket sales you're you're, you're going to have long more long-term damage financially and morale wise it's going to end up costing you long term more not to do something mm-hmm if if things don't get flipped around or the plan presented to you by Fred doesn't make sense and you believe it. It's not right Fred off yet as far as a decision's been made or there is a decision to make. I mean, clearly it ain't good. But A, he still has time left in the season. B, he still can talk to his AD and present a plan on why... It will be different. Boomer Esiason's on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's welcome in a standout in the NFL, a standout when it comes to uh, fundraising and for sure caring about one another. Uh, Boomer Esiason with us and the uh, Boomer Esiason Foundation, uh, you know well. 
Uh, Boomer, thanks for a few minutes. Uh, how's your how's your week going post Super Bowl? Hey, Chris, it's great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, finally, I come out from underneath all of this football and I feel like I'm kind of relaxed. And I'm saying, you know, I kind of miss football, (laughs) especially uh, the NFL has been great this year as uh, we had an amazing seven game playoff run there the last three weeks of the season, including the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, my former team, the Cincinnati Bengals, did not win. And I picked them to win. And uh, but nonetheless, uh, an exciting playoff run for for them. And for us at CBS, you know, we had the AFC championship game out in Kansas City in which Cincinnati came back and, and won uh, late, in the, uh, late in the game and, and ultimately overtime. But um, just an unbelievable uh, NFL season, and uh, I certainly now all of a sudden miss it. Well, and, and you just touched on the incredible playoff run and incredible coverage with CBS. And, of course, Boomer does uh, mornings on WFAN out of New York. So, uh, all over sports coverage, morning uh, and, uh, of course, weekends with the NFL. And, Boomer, have you ever seen anything like this in your life, in your football life, just the, the playoffs that, that America was, was able to enjoy? I mean, so much drama. So much drama, yes. And uh, I don't necessarily know that we've ever seen uh, the three weeks, starting with the divisional round. The, the wild card round wasn't all that great, but the divisional round playoffs – to the championship games, and then of course ultimately the Super Bowl in LA this past week uh, was just amazing. And we had comebacks, we had overtime games. Uh, the NFL season was uh, was a little bit crazy this year, doing a large part of coming out of the COVID and all the COVID situation that most of the teams were dealing with uh, through the season. And then on top of all of that, they added an extra regular season game, so you have you know more injuries and more situational stuff that happened during the year. It felt like. And then it, it culminated with just, I, I can't put it any other way than seven just great, compelling mm-hmm. games. And if you are a con- connoisseur of football and a great game of football, which we all are, and I know everybody out there in Nebraska is for sure, um, there's nothing like watching a game and then thinking about what is the coach going to do or what is he trying to do and how is he going to react to what's happening and can they make adjustments at a halftime uh, and that's what I think made all these games so compelling. And it's just unfortunate that the Super Bowl ended the way that it did. Uh, it's too bad it, we didn't get an overtime Super Bowl. I thought we were going to get very close to that. Oh, actually, we did. And unfortunately, uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals just could not tie it up. Boomer, you know Cincinnati well. Uh, incredible career in Cincinnati. What, what's your take on, on Zach Taylor? We're proud of him here in Nebraska, of course. And then... Joe Burrow, same position you played, the pressure of, of playing that, that spot and, and going to a Super Bowl. Well, Cincinnati loves both of those guys right now. You know, everybody loves a winner for sure. And I, I think Zach Taylor would be the first to tell you that after two years and winning only six games, he probably felt like, you know, he wasn't going to be long for the job because in the NFL they don't have a lot of patience. However, he is working for an owner in Mike Brown that does have a lot of patience and also is a quarterback connoisseur himself. You know, he played quarterback at Dartmouth, much like Zach played quarterback at Nebraska, and he saw something special between Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor in Joe Burrow's rookie year that was last year. And, uh, you know, Joe Burrow got hurt about 10 games into the season, but I think Mike Brown saw enough between both Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow to know that this is going to be the coach-quarterback pairing that hopefully is going to lead this team for the next 10 years, and hopefully they'll get them back into the playoffs. The one thing 
I will say about the AFC in particular, it's going to be a gauntlet simply because there are at least six quarterbacks that are quarterbacks that are what I call Super Bowl-worthy quarterbacks that can get their teams to the Super Bowl where their entire organization believes in them, the fan bases believe in them. And, you know, right now I would say Cincinnati has got to be one of the odds-on favorite to go back next year, especially with about $56 million under the salary cap as they head into free agency season, which I'm sure they will do their damnedest to try to improve their offensive line. You're right on with the O-line improvement. Uh, you look at, at how Cincinnati's worked this. You get Zach, and then they, they draft Joe, then they get Chase, and they really did well free agency, don't you think, with their defensive upgrades? Because it feels like they invested in their defense last offseason. Now, is it going to be that hard a pitch to, to get free agents and mm-hmm. key O-linemen to come to Cincinnati? I, I, you know, I think the pitch is going to be real easy because they know they're going to be playing with Joe Burrow. So that's the first thing. Players want to see if they have an opportunity to win. And I think everybody is looking at who are the great quarterbacks, how do I get on their teams so we can go and win a Super Bowl, at least have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And that's exactly what Cincinnati affords now. Plus, they want to look at the contract and they want to see how much money I can get guaranteed. And like I said, Cincinnati is one of the top four teams in terms of money available to free agency underneath the salary cap constraints of the NFL. So you would think either there or the L.A. Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the New York Jets, all four of those teams, you know, are going to be spending money like crazy in uh, free agency this offseason simply because now is the time because they have young quarterbacks. Those young quarterbacks are not making big money just yet. Uh, in, in you know, in conjunction to like or or comparison to like Josh Allen or uh, Patrick Mahomes, mm. but eventually they will get to that point. But since they're not there yet, now is the time to spend the money to support those young quarterbacks to give them the best chance to get back to the Super Bowl and actually win it. Boomer Esiason with us a few minutes here, Hale Varsity Radio. Of course, uh, the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Boomer, you're going to be uh, back in Nebraska here at the end of the month, the ninth annual. Uh, Team Jack Foundation uh, Gala, and uh, you're the keynote speaker. You're pretty familiar with Nebraska. You've been back quite a bit, of course, with the, the Remington Trophy and uh, the battle against cystic fibrosis with the Boomer Science and Foundation, some events here in Nebraska. But uh, it's really awesome to, to have you in our state coming up here towards the end of the month. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like a uh, an honorary Cornhusker due in large part to my relationship with the great Dave Remington as he has uh, been the foundation president, my foundation president, for over 25 years. And, you know, he's one of the reasons why we have been so successful. We've raised close to $200 million, uh, during that time. And I remember when Gunnar was diagnosed back in 1993, um, he was two years of, of age, and I was just starting out with the New York Jets. And the great Frank DeFord, who's no longer with us, who lost his daughter, Alex, to the disease of cystic fibrosis at the age of six, told me, you know, we never really had somebody with a personality, with a name, and you need to exploit your platform if you can, if you will, if your wife would be up with that and you could get the the word out about CF, because there's only about 30,000 patients in the country that suffer from CF and, you know, our story is very similar to the Hoffman story and, and what Jack Hoffman has been able to, you know, ins- inspire in terms of fundraising and giving other kids with the same condition he had, 
you know, a chance at believing that they can live a good and healthy life and that they can come through all the, the difficulties. And that's who my son Gunner was back when he was diagnosed. And now Gunner, here he is at the age of 30, just had a, a baby born, his own son. I was born on Christmas Eve in 2021. He got married last summer. Uh, it really is a miracle. And when you have miracles like Jack Hoffman, uh, you have science that comes together with prayer, you, you basically have miracles that are born out in front of you. And the only way you can do that is if a family like the Hoffmans decided to put their story out there and share their story and their heartbreak uh, the way that they did, just like we did way back when, starting in the mid-'90s. So uh, I'm here as uh, proof positive that hard work, dedication, fundraising can really make a difference in people's lives. So Gunnar, like I said, wasn't expected to live until he was 19 and maybe maybe a double lung transplant. Well, about five years ago, a new drug came to market. It has changed uh, the trajectory of the CF population, and my son has proved po positive of that. And that's one of the messages that I always bring when I come and speak, that you know we've done it, we've lived it, and I know the headache and the heartache. I know the sadness. I also know the inspiration, and I know the good side of, of situations that when you – when you look at them and you take them as a personal experience and then you share them, the impact that that has on families all over the world. Uh, I know that's what the Team Jack Foundation has done. That's what our foundation has done. And that's why we're so aligned in our messaging. Boomer Esiason's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Team Jack Foundation, ninth Annual Gale. I believe it's sold out, but that doesn't mean you can't donate to the Team Jack Foundation or the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Boomer, you've been very active, and, and I've spoken with you in the past when it comes to not only being up to speed on outreach for patients with, with cystic fibrosis, but you've been pretty much in lockstep and, and uh, well-informed with just the, the drug choices, and that's so important uh, has that been uh, overwhelming to, to, to get your, uh, your hands involved with that as far as just being up to date with the research, the dollars, and then also the, the, the remedies that are, that are being produced? Yeah, I always tell uh, parents that it's their job to get involved, to learn, and to understand everything that's going on in their children's lives, especially when you have something – uh, like a, a brain tumor or you have cystic fibrosis. I knew about cystic fibrosis before Gunnar was diagnosed because I w actually had worked with Frank DeFord well before Gunnar was born trying to help him raise money for CF, but just as kind of a, a like a celebrity face in Cincinnati, a very small sure. city. So it wasn't all that impactful. But then when Gunnar was diagnosed and I called Frank DeFord, he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. It's almost like destiny or irony, if you will. And uh, you need to use your platform. So – um, but before I could do that, we had to learn everything we could possibly learn about cystic fibrosis, what it meant for our son, the things that he had to deal with, and how we were going to be able to handle the stress, um, you know, between all of us family members. So uh, that's what we did. And the education part of it really helped us understand how we could help Gunner be the best person he could be and also enjoy life as normal as possible and participate in sports like he wanted to. And uh, we never held him back from anything. We were very, very cautious about a lot of different things. You know, and, and going through COVID over the last two and a half years, you know, I, I feel like I've been living through COVID for 27 years with mm -hmm. cystic fibrosis, a respiratory disease most notably. 
um, you know, when it comes to the flu or the MERS virus or, you know, H1N1, you know, all those different uh, flu strains that had come out throughout the years, you know, we've been living like in a panic. So when COVID hit uh, two and a half years ago, you know, I, we knew immediately how people were going to react to this. And the best thing you can do is educate yourself, make the decisions that are in your own best interest and make sure that your children have everything they need to make sure that they are protected as well. Boomer of Science is with us. Boomer, thank you for your, your message of uh, science and, and faith and prayer and, and just uh, what you've done for so many out there with the Boomer of Science and Foundation. And can't wait to hear your message with the Team Jack Foundation uh, and the ninth Annual Gala. Uh, last thought in the football realm, what was that experience like for you? And I ask because of, of Joe Burrow. He's gone to a Super Bowl. You went to a Super Bowl, but... Just, just the experience for you in Cincinnati. How you, you said uh, people love a winner. Well, bringing that to a fan base like you did. I mean, what, what was that enjoyment level like for you? Well, it was nothing like it. I mean, just experiencing the Super Bowl first and foremost is remarkable. You know, I grew up in Long Island. I had a, a single parent household. My father was a World War II veteran. My mother died, unfortunately, of cancer when I was seven years of age. So. You know, he was a single father, uh, uh, parent, I should say, of uh, of me and my two older sisters, and he did a pretty damn good job. But when I was standing on that Super Bowl field and my, my dad was in the stadium, I was just thinking to myself, man, I was like 25 years ago, my mother had passed away, and I'm standing here at the Super Bowl. It's like the most remarkable feeling in the world. It's, it's like you can't even describe it. Mm-hmm. And the only time I really felt... Uh, anything close to that, and maybe even exceeded that, is when Gunner told me that he and his wife Darcy were pregnant. Because mm. that's, that's that's like winning the Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned in my life. So uh, I've had that feeling here in the last six months. And uh, when Casper, or my grandson, was born, I mean, I, I was hyperventilating. I was so uh, so excited and so happy. I, I just words couldn't describe it and i would i would describe that's how it felt for me standing on that field at joe robbie stadium back in 1989 thinking that my dad fought in world war ii he lost his wife i lost my mother of course he raised me for the 17 years by himself and here i am standing at the super bowl and that's what makes it all the more remarkable and uh, all the more fulfilling Boomer, thanks for for sharing your thoughts. Thanks for what you're doing, and uh, love to do this again. Thanks for your time today. All right, Chris. We'll see you out in Omaha in a couple weeks. Good to get caught up with Boomer Esiason, man. He was so much fun to watch with the Bengals and that Super Bowl run. He had an MVP in 88, uh, 14 years in the NFL. And uh, his story, of course, with Gunner, his boy, now 30 years old, Boomer Science and Foundation, Dave Remington, of course, with uh, with Boomer there, and they uh, they battle uh, cystic fibrosis. They fundraise incredibly well, and uh, they uh, have helped so many. He is on Team Jack. That is awesome, and the uh, ninth annual gala coming up here towards the end of February. So it was wonderful to talk some football and some life with Boomer Esiason. Reminder to get buckled up using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries only if it's properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, Mark Waller, longtime coach at North Star. He's on the way next to Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Great to have you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You're invited to find the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, a Herd Ad Media production. Of course, can find the on demand items, the interviews you want, ESPNLincoln.com, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you go to uh, download the podcast, subscribe to it. It is free. It's kind of like Belushi standing at the uh, the front of the Delta House as he is relieving himself. It don't cost you nothing. It is free. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly. Love your feedback. Love to hear what you think and appreciate you tuning in. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Thanks to Boomer Esiason. Uh, great stuff here uh, when it comes to all the local coaches around the area. And the Spring Coaches Clinic schedule is locked in for the Lincoln Football Coaches Association. We welcome in longtime coach, standout coach with Lincoln North Star, Mark Waller. Coach Waller, what are you up to? Not much, Schmitty. Uh, all good. Uh, just kind of getting things cranked up for the uh, recruiting events or our coaches' clinics that we're having. And uh, still coaching away up at Elkhorn South and got a little grandson now that's keeping me busy. But, uh, yeah, all is good. Hope is good. Hope all, everything's good with you and the family. Oh, we're, we're doing well, man. Thanks so much. And, yeah, it is uh, spring football's uh, just around the corner for, for Nebraska. Of course, it's – you know, becoming more year-round, as many multi-sport uh, kids as there are. There's still a lot of focus, for sure, with, with honing that craft on the gridiron. And uh, I tell you, this uh, your, uh, your upcoming event here, May 9th, is something we'll get to in a moment. But really cool uh, item tonight out at Sandhills. Uh, you guys have uh, both uh, Nebraska coordinators speaking. Tell us a little more on that. Yeah, um, you know, we're finally excited about getting back to normal. Uh, COVID kind of put a dent in things for the last year, too. But uh, we got uh, Coach Frost coming out and the entire coaching staff, which is absolutely great. Uh, I know a lot of the high school coaches are excited to come out and, and meet some of the new coaches. And then, like you said, Schmitty, uh, we got Coach Shenander and Coach Whipple speaking tonight. And, uh, yeah, it should be a great night, a great event. What's that uh, mean to you, and what did it mean to you? And coaches that are in that fraternity around here at the capital city and just regionally when it when it, when it's not just the head guy but it's also the coordinators when it's the whole staff what does that uh, what message does that send you well it's just sending a message that coach frost and his staff you know they want to get out and they want to build those relationships with the high school coaches uh here in the city of Lincoln, I was up in Omaha at the Metro one last Wednesday and they were all up there uh, as well so uh yeah i mean as high school coaches here in Nebraska, we sure recognize it. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, we got a, a good pool of talent in the in the state right now, and uh, and we're excited that uh, they're all coming out tonight. Uh, it, it means a lot. Your role as a head coach at, at North Star, and you had uh, a number of really talented kids go D one, go D two, go NAIA. I mean, kids that played for you played beyond high school and, and got their education, and that was awesome. What uh, what was the process like for you when it came to, to talking with coaches, not necessarily just Nebraska, but how did you treat that moment? Well, yeah, I thought it was important. And as a head coach, I thought it was important to do everything that we could for our student-athletes. We asked so much of them that, you know, in return, we want to do everything that we can for them in terms of uh, – 
you know, going on and playing at the the next level if that's what they want to do. And and uh, so uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. But uh, you know, the the first person that usually the college recruiter comes to is the head coach. So uh, throughout my career, over 32 to 33 years, I've seen a lot of styles in recruiting. Uh, some really great recruiters that just click really well with student athletes and uh but yeah it's been interesting it's been fun uh recruiting's really changed a lot uh over the last 10 to 15 years but uh it, it's it's all unique and all interesting mark waller's with us uh longtime coach at lincoln north star lincoln football coaches association uh they are having a clinic uh, tonight uh, nebraska staff out there with area coaches and of course the upcoming uh, junior recruiting day be out at Firethorn May 9th who uh, who's uh, stuck with you what personality uh, has stuck with you in, in your years as coach that, that came into your office oh you know multiple coaches <laughs> so many but uh, you know coach Frost does a great job uh, uh, coach Polini did well uh, uh, AJ Cooper who was up at North Dakota State uh, who now I believe is maybe a Syracuse University stuck out as an assistant coach uh, just multiple coaches uh, um, throughout my career that have came in. Uh, uh, coach Leopold, who's now at KU. Coach Standard, who's at Kansas State. Uh, they're all great recruiters. Coach Fuchs, still a line coach up at Kansas. Uh, coach Samuel, the receivers coach at KU. Uh, all those guys do a great, great job of recruiting and uh, recruiting uh, potential players that they want to bring into the program. Let's talk about the junior recruiting day out at Firethorn, May 9th. Uh, clinics also out of Sand Hills Global. Uh, kind of preview and, and profile that, that May 9th uh, opportunity. Yeah, it's a great event. Uh, a lot of coaches come in. Uh, a lot of uh, colleges, university coaches come in, and they'll meet with all the high school coaches. We'll have a, a database of student-athletes from our schools, and it's a great event for the college coaches because they are able to see about 25 high school coaches in one night so they don't have to travel around school to school. And then up in Omaha, the Metro has theirs the following night on Tuesday, May 10th. So they're able to see and communicate and, and visit with about you know, 50 high school coaches just in two nights, which is really good and a great benefit to the college coaches. It just cuts down on their traveling. So, and, uh, you know, it, it, we've got a very talented group in the, in the state of Nebraska, in the Lincoln area, in the metro area of recruits now for this 2023 recruiting class. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a great event. And, and like you said, that's uh, May 9th. Does this 2023 crop rival uh, as good as you've seen? And I'm not, I'm not asking you to pick favorites, but I'm just saying just the, the, the depth, the talent, is it as high as it's ever been in your opinion? Well, I think it is. I mean, just, you know, I, I'm blessed and fortunate to uh, Coach Maverick Noonan, who's probably one of the top recruits in the 2023 class out of Elkhorn South. Uh, you got the young man at Prep, who's a lineman. Um, you know, you got Zane Flores, the quarterback out of Gretna, who's been at, offered from Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and some schools just within the last week. Uh, just here in the city of Lincoln, you got Gunnar Gatula already committed to Nebraska in the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, I believe Lincoln East has a really good player. Uh, Coleman, his name yeah, is. Malachi's big time. Malachi, yeah. big time. I know Lincoln High's got a great receiver in Benny. So the talent pool, uh, it might be one of the better classes that we've had uh, for quite a few years So uh, in Nebraska. Coach Mark Waller with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and, of course, the Lincoln Football Coaches Association Spring Clinics. Uh, coach, if, if there's a, a coach that 
needs to get signed up or wants more info, how do they get in touch with you or, or Coach Hanson? Yeah, they can just uh, email me, uh, Waller 37 at gmail.com or get in touch with Coach Hanson. Uh, we do have a website, the Lincoln Football Coach Association website. All of our information is on there. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's all the, the schools, uh, high schools from Lincoln, surrounding area. Uh, so uh, we're expecting a, a great crowd tonight. Uh, hopefully it's a great turnout. And, uh, yeah, we're excited. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we're not missing out on any coach or program or school that wants to attend. So they're, they're all more than welcome. That door's open, absolutely. And Coach Waller, thanks for giving us a few minutes. Thanks for what you're doing to, to promote the high school players and, and uh, appreciate your time tonight. Thank you, Chris. Good talking to you, buddy. All right, Coach. Take care. There he is, Mark Waller with us, Elvar City Radio. And uh, always loved uh, watching Coach Waller do his thing with North Star and coaching Maverick Noonan. He's a name, obviously, on the radar. Uh, you have football that's around the corner that's uh, that's pretty big time with spring ball. And uh, you kind of just holding our breath for it. I know we, we just got done with the Super Bowl, but uh, it is uh, big time with uh, just what what level of talent is is in state in the metro in lincoln in central nebraska in in western nebraska i mean it's really awesome and uh, it's a pleasure to cover numbers to dial up 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 so is this the last time we're gonna have drama with jimbo harbaugh that is as uh, Jimbo signing a new uh, five-year deal, uh, the turbulent month and how it moved forward. So the 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 reality is this: you, you've got the same AD there for Michigan. Manuel is his name, or Manuel, forgive me there. Uh, but uh, the the president was was kind of a goon, and and made things tough. He is no longer. That's nice for him, but I honestly think Harbaugh wanted to go back to the NFL. I think he, when push came to shove, he said, you know what? I've got some kids. I've got a good recruiting class. It just isn't meant to be. Once the Minnesota thing didn't work out, I know that uh, Michigan grads uh, high up with Miami, the GM there, so that, that maybe could have worked, and to be quite frank, to lose out on the, the Vegas Raiders job to, to McDaniel is embarrassing, and I would have been ticked off about it. Based on, if you, if you go apples to apples with who's done what in the NFL, as a head coach versus a head coach, not a coordinator, it's a, it's a no-brainer. And, and that's, that's Vegas' fault. So as a Broncos fan, it, it, it warms my heart a little bit. I'm sure it does. <laughs> but Harbaugh got an offer. He'd be able to leave on his own terms. He got Michigan to a college football playoff. He got Michigan to, to destroy Ohio State. He got Michigan to win the Big Ten. I mean, all things he wanted to accomplish, but uh, he had to take a pay cut to do it. <laughs> that, that, that irritated him, quite honestly. And he, uh, he responded. He responded and now had leverage, and we'll see what the number is going to be. But 
I don't know, is it eight and a half, nine million dollars? Is it restored to what it was? I don't know. What Michigan did with their leverage to cut him in half, still four million dollars. Uh, you've seen Nebraska restructure Frosty's contract uh, with a chance to be made whole again. And Harbaugh's been through a ton of assistance. We always talk about Urban Meyer uh, losing assistance or Dabo Sweeney losing assistance or for sure Nick Saban losing assistance. Mm. Dabo had been pretty much bulletproof till till this year. But there's been a lot of turnover. I mean, we're talking... See, it feels like a coordinator every other year. So the stability and finding the right quarterback, and I think they did with McNamara. He got a lot better as the year went on. He's a good ball player. That Michigan defense, really good. But you'll have another new coordinator. A Jock Doc's on the way. Wednesday edition at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday in Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Doug Tavis with us. Dr. Doug, how was the Super Bowl? Enjoyed it, Chris. I thought, uh, you know, I thought it uh, came down to that uh, end point where you knew somebody was going to make a call, and then it was going to be blame game after that. So, you know, it's uh, it was a good game. So I enjoyed it a lot. Yep, the old timing, right? Timing yeah, of the flags, exactly. not not how many <laughs> flags there were, but you know, despite the loss, I think old Zach Taylor's enjoying the Super Bowl too. It's he got his contract extended, extended, and probably a pretty Glad good bump. Should. Yeah, he had yeah. a great, great uh-huh. year. Uh, a tough finish for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, was so instrumental as the Rams kind of made their playoff push and through the NFC. And uh, we see what happened with uh, with OBJ and another uh, ACL injury for him, and uh, just really tough uh, undergoing uh, knee surgery. Uh, tore that ACL for the second time in two years. Speak to that real quick as far as just a, a tear a second time like that in such short amount of time. Yeah, so, you know, one of the issues with with an ACL tear, and I, uh, we maybe talked about this before, but um, when we put a new graft in for the ACL, um, whether that's a graft that uh, – comes from you know the patella tendon or the hamstring tendons or even a cadaver graft that graft doesn't have blood supply to it and uh, when we when we put it in we rely on the body to uh, recreate some blood flow into that graft um, the reason that that's important is that literally every time you're out um, uh, running and pivoting on your leg you can be causing damage to the fibers of the ligaments, but our body just heals that up, and as a result of that, you know, we we don't you know routinely tear the uh, tear the ligament tissue uh, because our body heals it back up. Well, yeah, after you've done an ACL reconstruction, the uh, amount of blood flow into that graft and the ability of the body to remodel the tissue after uh, small degrees of injury um, become um, less predictable, um, and so. Uh, that's why you do hear about um, re-tears of ACLs 
that uh, just are um, associated with the fact that it's not normal tissue in that uh, in that uh, uh, reconstructed graft. So um, it's not uh, not an unheard of thing. Obviously, sometimes you'll hear multiple. Uh, Retears of grass. Dr. Doug Tavis with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. OBJ, our topic is ACL. Dr. Doug, a classic non contact injury uh, when, when uh, Beckham went down and the, uh, the debate of grass versus field turf has reared its ugly head again. Do you have a thought on it? Yeah, so it's interesting because I've been watching this um, debate go on, you know, literally my entire orthopedic career. Um, the, there were some early studies, you know, that would uh, that indicated that um, uh, with turf fields, of course, back at that point, real early, it was truly the astroturf, and that you know it was only on kickoffs and and. Uh, those high-speed uh, plays like that, that, that there was a difference and that the, that the ACL uh, injuries were higher with the, the turf field. Well, over the course of the last uh, 30 years, there's, it's just been like a ping-pong ball going back and forth. I mean, you'll read some studies that'll say there's no difference between grass and turf. You'll see some studies saying, I saw one the other day that said 88% higher chance of an ACL tear on turf versus grass. Most of the studies are suggesting that it is higher on turf than grass, but nothing like that 88% number, maybe in the single or uh, digits or you know, 15 16% kind of a number. The thing that I see with with ACL and knee issues when it comes to, to, to grass, natural grass, just the, the field climate. And granted, you can slip with moisture and rain and snow and all of that, depending. It doesn't matter. It could be turf. It yeah. could be grass. But on a, on a gorgeous day, you'll see guys potentially, just my two cents, slip more on grass. And if they're, you know, a, a zero to 60 guy by step two, and they make a wrong cut. That's where I've I've seen a couple of those. But overall, I don't I don't have the numbers. But um, as far as players go, uh, they they like grass. They really like uh, the the feel and it's just the, the landing, so to speak, versus the the turf. But the field turf still so much better than it used to be. Yeah, so it's a the field turf definitely has a you know a closer simulation of yeah. the, the feel of grass. You know when you're out and you know you're not you're not taking all the the bruising punishment of getting you know uh, put down onto the like the old astroturf used to be, um, but the uh, the when the foot is not as rigidly planted, which will happen on grass more so than on on, uh, on field turf, there's a dissipation of the energy of the leg in that um, the foot slips a little bit. I mean, the idea of a hockey player getting an ACL tear is like you just never see it. You know, I mean, you know, because they're, they're 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 never their foot is never fixed against the you know the ice, of course. And so, um, in in football, in particular, and soccer would be another great example. You know, that involve field turf versus grass. Um, the where the, when the foot is really solidly planted against that um, that surface. Whether either one of them, um, that's that doesn't allow that dissipation of that energy, and that energy has to you know, 
come through the body chain, the whole leg chain, and sometimes it stops right at the knee. Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday, uh, as we're talking about Odell Beckham Jr., his ACL. Dr. Doug, couple of minutes here, and a thought here with, with uh, Beckham and his recovery since it's that second ACL. What's his outlook look like? Yeah, there's, there's some challenges to doing revision ACL reconstructions uh, just from the perspective of getting um, getting the uh, graft and uh, really to heal in as tightly as what we would normally like. Um, and so there's going to be some challenges to doing that. Uh, you may end up having a longer immobilization after his surgery uh, than what uh, he's had in the past. It uh, might th- uh, slow down that rehab. But it's not to say that he wouldn't have that opportunity to come back and, and uh, you know, make another run at it. And uh, as good of a year as he had this year, uh, you know, very clearly uh, incredibly helpful to the Rams. You know, I, I don't anticipate that uh, – uh, that he's going to be out. When it comes to his speed and his agility, is there? Does it take a percentage of his 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 overall top game off? Does it shave a little bit off with with a second knee issue? I think you, you kind of have to use the common sense approach to that one and say, yeah, you know, he's um, you, you, you've torn it a couple of times. And, you know, you're coming, you, you know, you're going out. You're going to make that hard cut off that leg in order to free yourself up. You know, with the with a cornerback, and you know, does it is he likely to cut harder off of his opposite leg? Yeah, probably. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think I sure would. Well, Dr. Doug, we'll see uh, how OBJ responds, and we'll get caught up again. Thanks for a few minutes. You bet, Chris. You have a great day. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to run down Gary Barnett. Brandon Vogel will join us. Burke's Best Bets, Jabba Chamberlain, to talk Husker baseball preview, Big Red Baseball. And we're working on a Makovica to lead that eye back into the end zone. My question is, is uh, with, with Burke's best bets, we're going to have to start going college basketball. I mean, we're getting towards March Madness. It could be futures season. Figure out who's going to be a, a good bet for a futures national champion. You know, a bad know. bet right now is Michigan State basketball. Yes, I said it, Junior. They are horror awful right now. Uh, how about Rutgers? Yeah. Rutgers is nuts. They're going crazy. They're on the bubble. They're a 12 seed. Michigan's the last four out right now. What a comeback by Wisconsin last night over Indiana. What a performance from uh, Tennessee over Kentucky. No, I know. I right? mean, they, they, I think they lost by like 25 the first time they played Kentucky. I know the home floor is a little bit different, but, man, that was a emphatic win last night from Tennessee. No, basketball's good. Um, reminder to you, we will be out at the single barrel road show Friday. Ahead in Nebraska, Maryland, that's an 8 o'clock tip. Friday, uh, down at PBA, 8 o'clock, uh, Maryland comes to town. 
my point is this. I don't know what the basketball will bring you. Pain, anger, joy, finances. But go get a steak and a, and a whiskey. Go get a steak and a beer. Get their legendary pork chop that is got a little peanut butter to it. Uh, we're down there 4 to 6 ahead of the 8 o'clock tip-off. So uh, it's a Hale Varsity Roadshow Friday. Single barrel inside the graduate. Just two more of these for basketball season, right? We're, um, we're there from Maryland, and then the 25th, a week from Friday, Iowa comes to town. If I have to trank dart him, I'm bringing Iowa Russ with me. <laughs> Well, I, I uh, we'll have to figure it out. I have a uh, a friend who uh, has some box seats up in the uh, the suites for uh, Nebraska Iowa, and I have an invite to that. So I got to make sure we don't have district basketball here. Oh, you may. Yeah, I know I may, and and I know what's going to be better and easier on your eyes. District basketball. <laughs> well, cross the fingers. They they play better at home. We have to figure out what we're gonna for some of these weekend series for baseball. Though we're gonna have to get out on the road. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, the, the baseball that's going to be playing. Which yeah. is nice. It's uh, it's all in on college baseball this spring. <laughs> Hell yes, it Stick is. Stick it to the owners. Spring football is around. And do yourself a favor. It's been retweeted on Hale Varsity and heard at. But also log on ESPNLincoln.com and uh, download the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio. Craig Doman, just incredible. Uh, just t- think about his situation. He's been a, an NFL agent for 32 years. And now he is, he's an agent, but he's also dad with JoJo. So some great projection and thoughts on JoJo and his history with Nebraska. Just wanting to represent Nebraska players. So Craig Doman was incredible. Boomer Esiason was awesome to talk with Boomer on Cincy. And, uh, of course, Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart, Coach Waller. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.